This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 144. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson, as today is an episode of The Rookie Reply. And for those of you that are new to The Real Estate Rookie Podcast, Ashley and I are here to give you the inspiration, the motivation, the confidence you need to break into the world of real estate investing, find financial freedom, really just build the life that you want using real estate as the vehicle. So what do we got going on today, Ash? So today, Tony, I really want to talk about short-term rentals. Ooh, I might know a thing or two about that. (laughs) So my partner and I have two cabins under contract that we are going to turn into short-term rentals. So I thought it was timely to go over what are some basics that investors need to know when they're getting into the short-term rental space. So I have one Airbnb now that I would consider it more of a hobby and I'd like to take my short-term rental business and turn it more into a business. So the one that I have, it's actually an arbitrage where I rent the apartment, furnished it, and now it is listed as a short-term rental on Airbnb. It's gone smoothly. It's gone great. I've had it for two years now, and I'm ready to take on some more properties. So Tony... What's your advice? (laughs) Yeah, let's dive into it. Now, before I get into all the tips, this episode airs January 1st, I think. It's right around the new year. We have our short-term rental bootcamp that launches on January 24th. So if you guys want to kind of do a deep dive on the acquisition process of short-term rentals and make sure you guys sign up for that. Um, Do you know the URL, Ashley? It's biggerpockets.com forward slash... Bootcamp. Bootcamp. There you go. Maybe plural. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure if you guys Google it, it'll pop up. Ash, you got a bootcamp coming up to you. Why don't you give a quick plug for yours? Yeah. So I am doing how to get your first or next deal bootcamp. So if you are a new investor and you just want everything put into order for you as to the steps you can take, we all know real estate investing information is free on the internet, free on podcasts everywhere. But what this bootcamp does is it makes it concise for you and packages it all together. And you can follow the steps to get your first property. Or if you need help getting your second or third, this bootcamp is great for you. This is definitely a beginner bootcamp. If you are an experienced investor, this is not something for you. We did have one person sign up to a previous one that a couple of weeks in was severely disappointed. And unfortunately, I had to tell them, I'm so sorry, but this is a beginner boot camp. So I just want to make that as clear as possible, but got him his money back and everything. So now it's good to go. That was a really good uh, explanation of what the boot camp is. So listeners, just replay what Ashley said, but replace, throw the word short-term rental in her <laughs> plug and, and you get the idea for mine too. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O-retirement.com. 
or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk short-term rental. So I got six sips for new Airbnb hosts that I'll run through. And um, they're split up between a few different categories. So I'll talk about getting your listing set up, your revenue and pricing strategies, and then last is like your actual guest communication. So as I'm going through Ash, just like stop me when you got a question and we can uh, have some conversation, go back and forth on it. So tip number one of six is to study the competition. If you are a new host, it can seem insurmountably overwhelming to think about all the things you have to do to get a listing live on sites like Airbnb. Not only do you have to find the property, analyze the property, go through the closing process, maybe furnish the place. You also have to digitally get your listing set up, which is creating the listing, getting the photos done, putting all the little pieces of the listing, your checkout time, your check-in time, your amenities. So there's, there's a lot that goes into getting a listing up and running. And instead of starting from a blank slate, my recommendation is to always study the competition to see what is popular in your market. What are the best of the best listings already doing? And how can you take the spirit of what they're doing and implement it into your own listing? And you can do this both for the physical setup of your, of your short-term rental and for the digital setup, the digital experience of your short-term rental. So I'll give you an example of both. On the digital listing side, one of the things you have to make a decision on is what time your guests check out. Checkout times vary by market. I've seen them as early as like 9 a.m. for some listings, as late as like 12 or 1 p.m. for other listings, but it's going to vary by the market, by the size of the property. When we took our first listing live in the Smoky Mountains, we had our checkout time set to 11 a.m. Why 11 a.m.? I don't even know. We just kind of guessed. We thought it was the right thing to do. Our cleaners let us know that it was putting kind of a time strain on them with the 11 a.m. checkout because if they have multiple turns throughout the day, it was just hard for them to kind of get through all their property. So they said, hey, can you move it to 10 a.m.? A lot of our other owners have their checkout time to 10 a.m. So we did some additional digging. We looked at all of the other comparable properties near ours, and lo and behold, they all had a checkout time at 10 a.m. 
So what do we do? We changed ours to 10 a.m. And there was no negative financial impact, but we were, we were only able to make that decision by checking the competition. So that's that's on the digital side. And you can apply that to so many different things. So your listing titles, your description, to your amenities that you offer, so many different things. So Tony, how do you, when you're looking on Airbnb or VRBO, any of the websites that listings are on, how are you telling which are the best of the best? What is the best way to go and look to see if a property is being rented out a lot? Um, I know I've seen like, sometimes there's the little notification that comes up. Like this is a a rare find. Yeah. Rare find. Yeah. I was going to say hot commodity. I was like, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> they, should, they, should, they, they should change that to say yeah. hot commodity instead. That's way more enticing. But yeah, that's one way to look at it, right? As you open up Airbnb, you see which properties are showing up on the first page for your search criteria. You see which ones have a lot of positive reviews, right? Something above 4.8, 4.9 range means are really crushing it. Something that has really strong rates, a property whose calendar seems pretty much full. And if it has that little emblem on there, that it's a little blue diamond that Airbnb will put out on listing that says, this is a rare find, this place is usually booked. So those are all the indicators you can see on websites like Airbnb to determine whether or not a property is popular or successful. So what would be your next advice? Number two. So tip number two, and actually one last thing on tip number one. So you can also use that for your physical setup of your space as well. So if you're trying to decide on what your design aesthetic should look like, you can also use the competition to help you guide those decisions as well. Now, what I don't want you to do is is to copy verbatim what another listing is doing, right? Because you want to have some sense of individuality to your own property. And the design is a really personal choice, but use it to see what elements or what themes are consistent across all of the other top performing properties. So you can try and bleed or blend those into your own listing as well. I was actually watching a YouTube video this morning of your friend, Rob, Rob built on YouTube. And it was of him talking about the tree houses that he's building in the Smoky Mountains and just how every listing around them was just like the standard kind of outdated cabin. cabin-y feel. Yeah, bear cabin and how they were going to make it different so they stood out from the competition. So that's exactly what I was thinking of when you said that. It's like, don't copy just because the other things are doing good doesn't mean you should do exactly what they're doing. See if you can find a way to, to stand out too. Which takes me into my next tip, Ashley. What a great segue. Tip number two is to try and find a differentiator. Once you've spent enough time getting familiar with the other listings that are in your market, start using some of that research to say, where is there a gap? How can I improve upon what's already working? And the example you just gave of my friend Rob is a great example, right? He knows that the Smoky Mountains is a very competitive, very well-performing vacation rental market, but he also knows that almost all the cabins look the same. Like I kid you not, quick side story. I was on a meetup with a bunch of cabin owners in the Smoky Mountains and one of the guys I had to do a double take because I thought that he was in my cabin. Like he was in a cabin and, and the background behind him. And I'm like, are you at my house right now? Like, are you actually at my property? And he's like, no, this is the house that I just bought. So that's how similar a lot of the properties can look 
out there. It's like, I literally, this is a house that I bought that I own that I thought that he was sitting in because it looks so similar. So if you can find a way to say, okay, here's what's working. Here's what people want, but here's how I can make it even more unique. Here's why I can offer maybe an amenity that the other properties aren't offering. So we, we've done this a lot in Joshua Tree as app market has started to heat up, but we've gone back and kind of started adding some amenities to our properties to stand out in ways that some of the, the other competition isn't. So get really familiar, find that gap, and then try and capitalize on it. Awesome. Thank you, Tony. I do not have any follow-up questions on that advice, (laughs) but I love that. And so one of the areas that we're investing in for the cabins, it's a ski resort town and there are a ton of short-term rentals. So what we're doing to kind of make it a little different is we bought a property with land and there's a little pond and we're going to try to make it a more of an outdoor experience than just the interior. But it's the same kind of thing, like where a lot of them look exactly the same in the inside. It's the, the two skis crossed together on the wall and you know yeah. all the, the ski decorations, like wish for snow and things like that. So. Yeah, you got to find a way to stand out. And I think that's even more important, Ashley, because the short-term rental space in general is becoming more popular amongst investors for a multitude of reasons. I think more investors are starting to see that there is uh, good returns to be had there. I think Airbnb itself, now that it's a public company, has a lot more visibility. They've spent a lot of money in the last year trying to recruit new hosts. So there's all these different factors at play that are driving more investors into the short-term rental space. And as that happens, if you want to remain competitive, you've got to find ways to to stand out. So that one's a, a really important point. So cool. Those are the first two tips. The next category of tips is all about revenue and pricing. So the tip number three and the first tip about revenue and pricing is don't be afraid to experiment with your pricing strategy. And I'll I'll break this down a bit. There are a lot of different things that you can do when it comes to pricing your property that will have an impact on your occupancy and effectively your your overall revenue. So for example, you can change your minimum night stay. So how many nights must a guest book to stay at your property? Some people put it to one night. Some people put it to five nights. And depending on what minimum night stay you choose, that's going to have an impact on your revenue strategy. Another thing is the actual prices that you're charging throughout the year. In most markets, there's a peak season and there's a slow season. And the hope is that you know what those seasons are and you're charging appropriately, right? If the busy season for your ski resort town is, I don't know, January and February, because that's when it's snowing, you should be charging way more in those months than, I don't know, in July when it's the summer and no one wants to go to that ski town. But understand what those different seasons are and play with your prices to make sure that you're reflecting that. There are other minor things like how much you charge for your cleaning fee, whether or not you charge more in the weekends than you do during the weekdays. There's so many different levers you can pull to try and see how it impacts your pricing. So I'll give you two examples. First example, for our bigger properties, we have longer minimum night stays. So typically we're between three days during the regular season up to seven days during the busy season. For our smaller properties, we might go a one night stay during the week, right? Sunday through Thursday, and then we'll do a two night stay on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we've played with these different things to kind of find what's been most beneficial for us. So you've got to be able to do the same for yourself. Tony, question on that is, so the first year that we had our Airbnb, 
I didn't go in advance and like make the price higher for 4th of July weekend. And we had somebody book it for probably half of what they would have paid at any of the surrounding ones. So what are some tools that somebody can use to make sure they're staying on top of the pricing? I know that Airbnb has their pricing software where it kind of fluctuate and you set the minimum and the maximum, but what's some other features or software that people can take advantage of so you don't get into that situation and you're always on top of the pricing. So yeah, Airbnb does offer what they call their smart pricing kind of feature that's baked into Airbnb. I mean, a lot of hosts rely on that. They use it and, and it works for them. What a lot of the more sophisticated hosts do or host a lot of listings, uh, they leverage dynamic pricing tools. It's a software that's that's labeled as a dynamic pricing tool. Some big ones out there, there's Beyond Pricing, uh, there's Price Labs, which is what we use. ARDNA has recently launched their own kind of pricing software as well. There's a lot of different platforms you can go to, but the general sense is that you use these dynamic pricing tools to do a really in-depth research into your market, understand your competition, and then they will dynamically and automatically adjust your prices every single day. So you just kind of set the framework of how you want your pricing strategy to work, and then it'll go through on a daily basis and adjust it. So like, for example, if I, I can set, and I'll, I'll keep this one brief because we can get really, really into the weeds on this one, but I have a two night minimum stay for some of my properties in Joshua Tree, but I know that as I get closer to a certain date, the likelihood of someone booking goes down. So if I have an open date over the next like 10 days, I'll automatically adjust that two night minimum to a one night minimum, because hopefully there are more people searching for a one night stay over the next 10 days. And there are people searching for a two night stay over the next 10 days. So a dynamic pricing tool allows you to set rules like that. And then it runs on autopilot on a daily basis. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Let's move on to number four, which ties in pretty closely to number three, but a big part of getting your revenue and your pricing strategy right is having good comparable properties. So in the same way that when you're analyzing a long-term rental and you're trying to figure out what you should charge for rent, you're looking at other comparable properties in the neighborhood and you're using that to gauge your decision on the pricing for your property. The same holds true for short-term rentals. You want to identify a good comp set of properties, a good set of comparable properties that you can consistently grade your property against to see whether or not you're moving in the right direction, if you're pacing the right direction, or if you need to make adjustments. So we keep a comp set. We have a broad comp set that we create, then we have a more kind of narrow comp set. So like, for example, say I have a two bedroom property. I might look at all the two bedrooms in that market so I can see what are the different ranges of prices that we're seeing for those kind of properties. But then I'll create a very specific subset of properties. Maybe it's like 10 to 15 properties Why go through and I hand select and I say, okay, this one's a really good comp to my property. Let me look at this one. This one's a really good comp to my property. Let me look at this one. And when I have the kind of broad strokes and that more narrowly defined concept, that allows me to make some really good decisions on how we should be pricing our property. So creating a good comp set is tip number four. Very cool. Thank you. With that is when I look at listings on Airbnb, what's the best way to like show the vacancy rate when you're pulling those comps? Is it just like not putting in a date into Airbnb and then hitting search so you see all of them? Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't know if there was a better way. 
Yeah, so it, Airbnb doesn't make it super easy to do this kind of competitive research. A lot of the other tools out there, the the dynamic pricing tools, they'll assist with this in different ways. But if you want to do it the freeway on Airbnb, all you have to do is open up the comparable property that you want to see. And then you can literally just open up their calendar and see what dates are booked over the next 30, 60, 90 days. And that'll give you a sense of how you should be pacing for your own property. Okay, thank you. All right. So those are the two tips on revenue management. My last two tips are all about guest communication. So if you guys didn't know, uh, a big part of being a short-term rental host is actually communicating with the people that come and book your property. We've learned a lot. We've hosted over a thousand people at this point across our different properties. Some have been amazing. Some have been terrible and everything in between. So I'll, I'll break down just a couple tips on, on what we've learned there. Tip number five is understanding that a refund is better than a bad review. Reviews are the lifeblood of your business as a short-term rental host. One bad review, especially for a new property, can really derail your progress and ultimately your revenue. So if we're ever in a situation where we feel a guest has had less than an optimal experience or less than a five-star experience, we are very quick to send some kind of refund. Sometimes it's small. Maybe we'll send 20 bucks, 25 bucks. Sometimes it's big. We might refund an entire night. It all depends on the severity of the incident and what happened. And it doesn't matter whether or not it was our fault right? Like sometimes things break and we, there's no way we could have planned to prevent that. No reasonable way. But regardless, whenever a guest experiences something that's less than a five-star review, it's on you as the host to make that right. And what we found, and I, I read, I read this in a study. I used to study marketing when I was in college and brand, I can't, I don't know what the phrase is, but like, a. What's it called when you have like a, when you're a fan of a, of a certain brand, like brand allegiance, I don't know what it's called, but you know, like your favorability of a brand can increase if you have a negative experience with that brand, but that brand then does a lot to make it right. So for example, if we have a guest that checks in and I don't know, like the hot water heater, or let me give you a real example, right? So we had a guest that checked in on one of our properties last week. We're in the winter time right now, so things are really cold in Joshua Tree. Guest checks in, they try and turn on the heater, and the heater is not working, right? We've never had that problem before, right? We've had, we've had that property for almost a year. Guests have come in and out. Never had that problem. This guest checks in, heater's not working. We can't get any HVAC company to go out to make it right. So we call up our cleaner. We say, hey, can you guys stop by the property? And actually, we asked our cleaner to drive to the store, <laughs> buy a space heater, and then drop it off at the property. The guests didn't ask for this, but we just went out of our way to do that to make it right for them. So we gave them that space heater. We gave them a partial refund, had someone come out the next day to get the heater fixed. But those are the kind of things you need to do to make sure that you're making things right for the guest because a bad review... A bad review will cost you way more in the long run than a partial refund. So I just booked uh, one of your properties for a full week. I can't wait to say that something's going wrong and ask for a full refund. <laughs> But that is such a great point. And like, that's like just another example of 
that money can solve so many problems, including with having somebody that's having a bad experience in your Airbnb is saying, you know what, I would love to, and especially if they don't ask for it, doing more than what they ask for saying, you know, if they just want you to come and take care of the problem, or even if they're just letting you know, like if they're being super nice, like, oh, you know, I just want to let you know the Wi-Fi didn't work while we were there and things. And they're not even asking for anything. And then you go and, you know, say, oh, you know, let me refund some of your money for that or things like that. So that that's such a great point. I love that tip. I think so far my favorite. All right. Well, tip number six is to leverage automation within your business. There are, especially as you start to scale your portfolio, there's a lot of going back and forth with your guests that needs to happen to ensure they have a smooth, a smooth experience prior to checking in while they're at your property, while they're on their way out of your property, and then even after they leave. So you can manually send all of those messages if you want to, but I, that would be a nightmare. So we leverage a lot of automation software to help facilitate that process. There are a lot of companies out there, hospitable, IGMS, your porter. There's a lot of different channel managers that short-term rental hosts use, but the important piece is to pick one, use one, and then load it up with a bunch of different messages that you send out to your guests. So we have three distinct phases of a guest's experience. They have before they check in, so they've just booked your property, but they haven't checked in yet. They're actually staying at your property, and now they've they've actually left your property. So Before they check in, we send them a confirmation message that goes out immediately. We send them a check-in instruction message that gives them all the details of how to access the property. So they get those before they even check in, they get two messages from us. During their stay, they get one message that's just checking in with them. Hey, hope you checked in all right. Hope everything's going well. Let us know if you need anything. Before they leave, they get another message saying, hey, hope you had a great stay. Here's a reminder of the house rules and what you need to do as you check out. And then once they leave, they get another message that says, hey, we really hope you enjoyed your stay. We really appreciate an honest review of the property, et cetera, et cetera. So all those are automated. And some guests, they get nothing but automated messages because everything they ask is handled by those automated messages. And lo and behold, we get so many people, Ashley, that comment about how responsive and communicative we are as hosts, not knowing that the vast majority of that communication was some algorithm running on the background of our channel manager. So it's really helpful to have those automated messages to give your guests a really good experience without it being a a big time suck on your end. And I think that's a big part of setting up those systems and processes on your first property so that you have them all set to just roll into more properties instead of having to, okay, you've got 10 properties now, having to go back and implement those for each of the properties. Yeah, we're copy and paste at this point. So we set it up one yeah. time that we, <laughs> we bring on a new property. It's literally just copy into the next one. So. So that's it. Those are my six tips. I hope that that gives some insight for new beginners on how to be better hosts and maybe takes away some of the anxiety that's related to uh, getting started in the short term rental space. Yeah, Tony, this was awesome. This was a super easy episode for me to record and I learned a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next one, we're going to do it all about uh, RVs and campgrounds or uh, (laughs) or maybe running a liquor store. That way I can just lob all the questions your way. Or uh, injuring your knee snowboarding. Or injuring your knee while snowboarding. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals. He's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And don't forget to check out the Real Estate Rookie Bootcamp and the Short Term Rental Bootcamp. We would love to have you guys be a part of it. It starts January 25th. We'll see you guys next time. But before we go... 
Let's find out what's new on biggerpockets.com and can provide you guys the most value. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.